Today's scripture is from Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us uh, who are united with him in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you, Cameron, for sharing the Word of God with us this morning. Thanks, Bob and Elsie, uh, for uh, just leading us in some words of remembrance for our wonderful country and the freedom that we have here in Canada. There was a uh, feed that came across my phone this week. Uh, It said, Happy Birthday, Billy Graham. Uh, 99th birthday. I think it was on Facebook as well. You've probably seen it. And the caption read that he embodies honor, he embodies true holiness, and he inspires us all to live bigger and better in Christ. So it said, happy birthday, Billy Graham. Influential Billy Graham. Hasn't he been a blessing to the world through these years? Well, we're moving to the last section in the series, uh, Core Strength. We've uh, tried to put our arms around uh, uh, our first call upon our lives, uh, and that's to love the Lord of God with all our hearts and all our soul and our strength and our minds. And then we move to the second core strength, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And now the final core strength, namely, we're called upon to impact our world. Uh, We are influencers In our world, we're called to be salt and to be light. We're here on planet Earth for a reason. Influential you. We're made to be influential. We're made to be influencers. We each have an assignment. We have a wonderful assignment of God to be the hands and feet of Jesus to impact the whole world. Jesus knew it immediately in his life, even as a 12-year-old. Remember when his parents noticed that he was missing from their trip to the temple and they were going back home again and they couldn't find him? They finally found him in the temple dialoguing with the bigwigs of the religious leadership. And when they asked him why he hadn't joined them on their trip home, he said, because I must be about my father's business. Pretty good. He knew what his life was all about. And when we really grasp what our lives are about, 
the influencing part of life, it launches a whole new sense of purpose and meaning to the years that God gives to us. We are influencers. The Good News Bible says that Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. What a marvelous assignment. Actually, our responsibility is major here in terms of our influence. We have people in our lives that we can influence like no one else. You are perhaps the only Christ influencers that some people will ever know. God has given us the privilege to influence them, to be part of their lives, to have the privilege to build bridges to them. So how do you want to spend your life? Where do you want to invest your love and your finances and your heart and your energy and your time? William James said it so well. He said, uh, the best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. You say, well, I don't know if I'm up to being an influencer. We can all be influencers. In fact, we all do influence somehow. But to influence others for God, that's, that's our heart. We don't have to be experts in the field. We don't have to uh, have it all together and have it all nicely packaged. It's just your story. And you know that in a courtroom, a witness doesn't have to win the case. You just see, share what you've seen and what you've heard. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do the convincing but God uses all of us as influencers, more than I think we possibly can imagine. And the Holy Spirit uses that influence to make his case. Where do we influence? Of course, most of all, we influence in our family. We influence in our community. We influence our world. And it's amazing how God wants to bless our influence. God has never made a person that he didn't love. Everyone matters to him. And God has put many of those people close to us so that we can influence them, so we can bless them, so we can come alongside of them and encourage them. And the Holy Spirit takes all of that and he uses it marvelously beyond what we might even think. So let's talk this morning about being influencers. Influencers. Number one, you were made to influence. You were made to influence. You're here for a reason. The reason that you get to spend time on this earth is because God intends for you to live your life to the fullest by making a difference in the world. I don't know what that does in your heart, but to me it, gets, it makes me really excited, and those words are very honoring and, and thrilling that God believes in me, God wants to use me. God wants to make us to, to make a difference. It's not hard to find books that encourage you to be a consumer of life, to get the most out of life, to take advantage of the perks of life. But I find very few books that encourage you to give your life to the mission that God has called you to be part of. Here's what Paul said, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Those good things uh, that Paul talks about are actually the things that you do for God as you serve him. 
and as you influence other people. This is your influence on the world. And when you gave your life to Christ, he put you on assignment. He put you on a wonderful, joyful assignment, and he gives you the privilege of partnering with him to do, to, to do the work of the kingdom. I mean, have you ever wondered why God doesn't just kind of swish you off after you give your life to Jesus Christ and say, ah, he's, he's, he's one of my children right now, I'm going to take him on home. Or she's one of my daughters right now. I'm just going to just take her home and just let her live forever in the kingdom here and not have to spend any time in this earth. Well, the reason that doesn't happen is because God wants you on this earth to make a difference for, for him. And he's giving you years, years in which to be an influence. And that's both honoring and it's challenging. So in the Bible, the words servant and minister are synonyms. If you're a Christian, you're a minister, you're a servant. Sometimes we get the impression that you have to be a missionary or you have to be on staff at a church or, or whatever it is, but not, that's not true. The opposite is whoever is a follower of Christ is a minister and we all have a ministry. You were made to influence. Peter says, you're a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So, friends, if you're growing in your faith towards maturity, that's an awesome thing to be growing towards maturity. But the goal of our lives is, is not just maturity, as awesome as that is, the goal is to be mature enough so that we begin influencing others in our home, in our family, in our school, in our university, in our workplace, in our sphere of influence. And there, there we begin to make a difference. And we begin to see our responsibility to impact our world uh, for God and for good. And if you listen to God, he will show you how you could influence he will move you along step by step for you to serve God and others and take that next step and that next step and that next step of influence. If you travel to Israel, and many of you have been there, you find two large bodies of water. In the north is the Sea of Galilee. The water's fresh. The fish are plentiful. Water flows into the Sea of Galilee and the water flows out. At the other end of the country is this is this lake. It's the Dead Sea. It's so salty. It's almost impossible to drown. The buoyancy is incredible. But the problem with the Dead Sea is that it doesn't have an outlet. Therefore, the water gets very stagnant. It's kind of a nasty sea because it truly is dead. Nothing grows in the Dead Sea. There's no life. There's no fish. Only salt. The problem with the Dead Sea is that there's no outflow. And what really keeps us fresh and vital is when we have some outflow to our lives. It's our place of influence. It's the realization that we were not just made to sit and soak and be consumers, but God calls us to a life of influence. We forget about the question, well, who's going to meet my needs? Who's going to take care of me? And we begin to say, whose needs can I meet? So first of all, you were made to influence. Secondly, you were equipped to influence. 
I remember sitting down uh, along with our design team for this church. And I remember sitting with the architect. And one of the first questions that the architect asks is, what do you want to accomplish with the building? What do you want to do? What's the primary function or purpose of the building? Well, as we talk that through uh, for a long period of time, the architect had a better idea of what to draft. And he had an idea of space requirements. He had an idea of how it should be laid out. And he knew what we needed in terms of form. So the function determines the form of a building. We have a big God. And he knows every one of us. And he made us uniquely. He knows what he wants us to do. And he has formed us accordingly. He has a purpose for your life. And he has, informed, he has formed you according to the purpose for your life. Have you read Psalm 139 lately? It says, you made all the delicate inner, in, inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I was just thinking, do you remember those t-shirts years ago? God does not make junk. And we, we wore them for a certain period of time, and then that passed, but... But I remember that God does not make junk. He made each one of us individually, uniquely. You are uniquely created. He always treats you special because he made you special. Yes, even wonderfully complex. The workmanship of God is spectacular. Sometimes people come in great distress. They come to pastors. They come to counselors. And, of course, that's certainly appropriate. Often these people come feeling very discouraged. They sometimes make statements like, uh, you know, my mistakes have been so awful. I've lived my life so badly. I don't think there's any way to repair the damage. Or my, my illness is so serious and the prognosis is so dismal that I think I just ought to save everybody a lot of trouble and expense and just end it all. Or I, I'm not useful or needed by anyone. I'm just good for nothing. And one counselor has a good response. He said, faced with such pessimism and depression, he comments, I sometimes ask gently, but clearly, who gave you the right to evaluate yourself? Who gave you the right to evaluate yourself? They look at me like I've spoken in, in the unknown tongue, and then I explain, only your creator has a, final, ha, has a right to make a final decision uh, of you. You're not your own maker. I know who your creator is. He's God Almighty. Let's consider what God has to say about you. And then he takes them to the scripture. Yes, you were God's idea before your mother conceived you. The Darwinian evolutionists would have you believe that God has nothing to do with your origin, that you just, you just were an accident. But God spoke these words to his servant Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were, you were born, before you were born, I set you apart. So God has created us all uniquely. And life is precious. 
Mother Teresa in India, she provided shelter and help for the homeless and the AIDS victims and the poor and the dying. And when she was asked, why does she do all of this? She explained, they are created by God. And that's why they deserve to die with dignity. They're created by God. And she gave her whole life following the passion of her heart and following the way God had equipped her. We're all uniquely equipped and created by God and designed to have an impact and influence on the world. I mean, isn't it awesome? You are uniquely made. How important that we just stop and say thanks to God for the unique way that he shaped our lives. I mean, just like the animal kingdom. And we were blown away by the complexity of the animal kingdom and how God designed this kingdom. Some animals run and some hop. Some swim and some fly and some burrow. And beyond that, they all look different. There's a uniqueness among them. So too has God made us. And God has given us spiritual gifts, all of us who follow him. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he brings a spiritual gift. Or spiritual gifts, plural. You can take 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you can read through the chapter to, to see all the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given. And there are other places, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 and so on. And Romans 12. You will see as you read through the chapter that God loves diversity. That he hasn't given all of the gifts to any one person, but he has given gifts to all who follow him. So you have some of the gifts and I have some of the gifts, and, and God designed it that way so that together we have all the gifts of the Spirit. So we can know how much we need one another, and we work together as a body, each using your particular unique gifting. And those gifts weren't distributed for our benefit, but they were, they were given so we could be an influence on others. And God uses these gifts to influence others within the body and outside of the body of Christ. Now, the other way that God has equipped you beyond the spiritual gifting is that he puts something in your heart that stirs you up and gets you excited. We often call it our passion. God puts a passion in our hearts. And it's interesting how that works, that there are some parts of the body that get real excited about this part of ministry in the kingdom and there are others that get real excited about this part of ministry in the kingdom. I look at our amazing staff as we sit around the table on a Monday morning and you can see a stirring of God in their hearts for certain areas of ministry. It's wonderful and it's diverse. We're all different but we're all contributing to the advancement of the kingdom. And we often say, God's given me a heart for this ministry. God put that in our hearts. And so you listen and you ask God for what he's stirring in your hearts. Maybe it's been abundantly clear for a long time. Maybe it's just getting some clarification these days. Or maybe you've never even thought about it. That what is God stirring in my heart? And how do you sense that it's a passion? Well, it shows up in your excitement level. 
and your enthusiasm level and your ability to sustain. It's not like we'll go that way for a little while and now we'll go this way and then we'll go this way. If it's a passion and it's deep within your heart, it's sustainable. When you're doing what God meant you to do, there is little need for extrinsic motivation. You're motivated intrinsically. You're excited to do what you're doing. Not that you don't have your share of frustrations, even when you're in your sweet spot, but those frustrations pass rather quickly, and then you're back on track again. And when you don't have a, a heart for a particular area of ministry, you tend to get discouraged rather quickly in that area. The other thing about being in your sweet spot is effectiveness. When you're in the place where God has gifted you and you are in the place of your passion, there is a sense of this is what God made me to do. This is how God has wired me. And that's just awesome. It may take a little while to figure that out as you journey along. But as you do, you will see that this is also the place where I'm most effective, most influential. So you are most influential when you're in the place of your gifting and when you are in the place of your passion. Thirdly, servant hearts have a powerful influence. We turn to John 13 to capture how Jesus influenced people in his day. I mean, he could have come in dominating power. He could have come strong and aggressive and arrogant, but, but he chose to come humbly. He chose to come as a servant. Gracious, generous, kind, loving. And remember in those closing hours before his death, how he took a basin of water and a towel and he went from one disciple to the next, even to Judas, even to Peter. And Peter protested, but Jesus insisted. He said to his disciples, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and, and God have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How will we influence our world? How will we influence our family? How will we influence our children, our community? Wherever God has called you to serve, your sweet spot, so to speak, just serve there in humility and as a servant. And God will use that posture. It's a powerful expression that God loves, and he uses it. He uses it oh so powerfully, and it becomes a magnet for others to respond back. And, and I know sometimes the posture feels more like weakness. Not just humility, but weakness. We wonder how effective we can be when we feel so weak. Or we're battling something in our life. Maybe it's a physical affliction. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a confidence issue or whatever it might be. And in spite of that, God uses our weakness. Because you hear Paul saying, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't be an influence even when you're weak. It's amazing, in fact, how the influence is the strongest 
when we're weak. Chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians uh, is the paragraph about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And he had that thorn until he died. Whatever it was, I mean, there's a lot of speculation about what it was. And Paul wanted to be free from that crazy thing that, so he could be at liberty to really minister as he wanted to. But yet it was not to be. For some reason, God allowed Paul to live with it. And Paul said he asked three times that, that this thing would be taken away. And always the answer was no. And then the Lord has a whisper. Here's one of these whispers in the Bible. The Lord has a, had a whisper for Paul. And here's what it was. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So even when Paul had to deal with some of the weaknesses in his life, it didn't stop him from being effective and highly influential. No doubt it was frustrating at times. No doubt he felt it was limiting at times. Uh, and, but yet God used him. Perhaps he used him even more than if the thorn had been taken away. Maybe he, it, it's true. It's the posture that God's lo God loves. It's the posture. It's the example that Jesus gave. And Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, made this statement. He said, all of God's giants... We're weak people. Isn't that comforting? All God's giants were weak people. Moses, Moses had a temper. He had to get that under control. But it flared up. Remember he killed that Egyptian? Remember he, stuck, he, he struck the rock that he was supposed to speak to? Remember he broke the tablets of the Ten Commandments as he came down? the mountain but God worked at him and worked at him and worked at him and God transformed him into a very humble man Gideon has a self-confidence problem he's trying to muster up faith to, to trust God but follow his story God transformed him into a mighty man of valor look at the people of faith men and women in, in Hebrews 11 the hall of fame and they were all battling with something you know, I appreciate this generation of Christ followers. Many in our day, many of our younger generation are very vulnerable and transparent and honest in their journey. That's an awesome characteristic. Sometimes we just need to be vulnerable and say, pray for me. I'm struggling in this area. And God uses that. He uses our weaknesses too. Amazing how God wants to use your weaknesses. Not just your strengths. Sometimes our strengths make people feel like, well, I'll, I could never do that. I, I haven't got it all together like that. That's beyond me. But God really wants us to know that he will use us in spite of our weaknesses. It's the posture of humility and brokenness before him. And then finally, the Great Commission happens when we all use our influence. Jesus had a sense of his influence when he was 12. And uh, he said, I must be about my father's business. And when he died on the cross, you remember what he said, it is finished. Those years in between were completely dedicated to his mission. His life of influence was transformational in the world. His work, his love, his presence, 
was still transforming our world. And he told us to be salt and light. He gave us a sense of what we were to do by just following his example. And in John 17, there's a great statement by Jesus. And this is his prayer to the Father as he prepares to live, to leave. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. I was writing that this, this, this week. My little iPhone lit up. And uh, it was the news bulletin that uh, Doc Holliday, former star pitcher for Toronto Blue Jays, died after uh, his plane crashed into the Gulf of Mexico on Tuesday. Oh, my. You follow baseball, this, this amazing amazing athlete is suddenly gone and I don't know anything about his personal life was he a follower of Christ I don't know uh, were there Christ influencers in his life I don't know I mean who was in his pathway that might have had, had a connection to him I don't know but no doubt there were many no doubt there were many Christ followers within his sphere of influence and many were probably praying for him because he had such a great heart for people. And he stood behind so many charities. So the Great Commission happens when we all use our influence. When we all use our influence. Would you stand with me, please? I want to give you a moment this morning as you bow uh, before the Lord to say just whatever you would like to, to God, as you consider how you are called to be an influencer. Do you, do you need to ask him, oh, Father, what are my gifts? Where is my sweet spot? Where is my passion? Do we need to say, Lord, I, I was thinking that I'm pretty limited and I see all my weaknesses but maybe I need to look past those. Would you help me see how I can serve you and influence others in the midst of my weakness? And perhaps, who are the people in my life that I know you're asking me to be part of, to, to be a bridge builder with them? I'm going to give you a moment of quietness. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying to us today. Lord, thank you for each person here. Thank you, Lord, for the influence and the impact that each person has and for your call upon each life. And I thank you, Lord, for for what you are doing. And I pray that you would just uh, create in us, stir in our hearts, Lord, a desire to use every day, every month, every year 
to be influential for you, to give our lives in abandonment for you, Lord Jesus. Thank you again for TCC, for the influence of this congregation. Lord, I pray that we might influence far and wide for the glory of God.